0: Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you and only you are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Good Thursday, everybody. This is Brian Barnett, your fearless host. Hope you're having a good week. By the time you're listening to this, I'm on my way to Cleveland, Ohio. The Boston Red Sox are going to be in town. And I'm going to take a road trip up there to support them and see a baseball game. So, wish me luck. Wish the Red Sox luck. I ordered a, uh, a new jersey here this earlier this week. And I'm hoping it gets here before I have to leave for that trip. Because I'd really like to show off my collars while I'm up there. What I thought we'd talk about today is a conversation that has been ongoing in my Facebook education group about borderline personality disorder. And there was a fellow who posted a subject and we've been in a conversation about it for now several days it's been ongoing, but he's raised a lot of good questions and has given me a good opportunity to explain some things. So I thought that I would just go through it here and uh, share it with everybody for everybody's benefit. He starts by talking about body image, and it kind of evolves into other topics, but we'll go through them here. The way I, I began to tackle this subject was by talking about shame, and you know it's important to understand what shame is. A lot of people associate it with embarrassment, but shame is not embarrassment, and some people confuse shame with guilt. Shame is not guilt. These are all distinct things, and it's important to understand the nuances between them. So let's talk about shame for a second shame is never constructive. There's no constructive use for it. So, when possible, shame should be eliminated or converted into guilt. During recovery, this actually happens. A lot of the things that a a person thought that they felt guilt for, turns out it was actually shame. And so, in the course of recovery, that shame can be converted into guilt, which is always constructive. So, think about what I just said. Shame is never constructive, guilt is always constructive. How so? Well, shame says I am a mistake. I am something wrong. And guilt says I did something wrong. Do you notice the nuance? Guilt says I did something wrong. So I need to fix that. Shame says I am what's wrong there's no fix in that you can't fix yourself if you're defective if you're just inherently defective but guilt doesn't tell you that message guilt tells you that what you did was wrong but inherently your value is still intact so you can change what you feel guilty about so what is shame exactly shame is the combination of humiliation and of repugnance. Just think about that for a second. A humiliating repugnance. So think of anything that humiliates you. Any experience you've ever had that you found humiliating. We've all had one or two. And tap into that sensation for a minute. The feeling of being terribly, humiliatingly exposed to others. Unwillingly. Now tap into the feeling of repugnance, of disgust. And in my conversation with this fella, I used the example of like, you know, the filthiest, most unkempt public bathroom you've ever seen in your life. Remember how you didn't even want your shoes to touch that floor? Utter disgust. So subconsciously, borderline personality disorder is the attitude of these two things, humiliation and repugnance, combined and directed inward towards ourselves as well as towards our very feelings. Now note the subtlety. It's not merely feeling humiliatingly repugnant. Uh Uh-uh. It's deeper than that. It's subconsciously viewing this as our inherent state. Again, nuance is important. Earlier this week I talked about the importance of understanding the word inherent. It means the very nature of a thing so that the descriptive term used for it is inseparable from the thing itself. It's a natural part of what makes it what it is. So, for example, fire is hot. Hot is an inherent quality of fire. You're never going to find cold fire anywhere. Let's get back to the point. Borderline Personality Disorder is feeling that one's own identity and one's very feelings are inherently shameful. Now, you put the nuances of the true nature of both of these things together, And you begin to get insight about what this really implies. So things like body shaming, looking at yourself and and not liking what you see, comes as no surprise whatsoever when put in context, does it? So when I discussed this, the person mentioned that he's actually not a bad looking person. He's an attractive guy, described himself as uh, attractive with a decent body. Therefore, Where is the anxiety coming from? If a person's good-looking, and they're confident that they're good-looking, why the anxiety? Where's the social stress of being looked at or noticed coming from? If a person is attractive, the reality is, I mean, a lot of people will tell you, for example, no, nobody's looking at you. They don't care. When you walk into a room, nobody nobody cares. Well, that's not true. (laughs) It's not true. I know it's not true because I'm one of the people that looks if a beautiful person walks in the room. So the truth is, if you are really attractive, people probably are noticing you when you come into a room. I notice beautiful people all the time. It's the curse of beauty. People will be drawn to look. So that's the first thing. If you're beautiful, that's a burden you bear. People are gonna wanna look at you. But what they're not doing is looking for your defects. And that's what this is about. The terrible certainty that by looking, by looking at you, people are going to realize and notice your imperfections, your defects, because remember your underlying belief is that you are inherently devoid of worth. And the more people looking, the more chance there is that somebody is going to see what you already know about yourself. And this is the second distorted core belief of borderline personality disorder in action. I myself am inherently irrelevant and shameful, devoid of worth. Because you see, if subconsciously a person believes this about their inherent state, then you are subconsciously certain that others will notice it too. This is what you believe subconsciously. So it's not about you feeling uncomfortable because people are looking at you because you know you're attractive. No. The anxiety comes from the fact that you're attractive, so they're looking. And if they look hard enough, they're going to find what you don't want them to see. There have been times when I've been an almost movie star shape myself. And I acknowledge that I'm not hideous to look at. In fact, there's been times when I've been astonished at how many women were attracted to me. And I took this as pretty powerful evidence that... I can please the ladies. And you know, I don't want you to take that as lack of humility. Uh, I've got a point to all this, and I hope you'll tolerate me for a minute while I make that point. And here's the point. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how attractive I am. My attractiveness did not matter. When you live with the subconscious, overwhelmingly powerful, distorted core belief that you are inherently devoid of worth it doesn't matter how pretty or sexy you are that awareness is superficial it's dependent on external feedback it's not real from the perspective of the individual who lives with that distorted core belief no matter how attractive they get no matter how incredible they make their body look for that individual this is simply like dressing up a dog turd in designer clothes and styling its hair. (laughs) It's still a dog turd. The certainty, the certainty inside of the person of a total lack of worth doesn't go away just because on the surface he or she knows that they are physically attractive or that people are attracted to them. Nope. The thing about a person who depends entirely on external forms of validation about looks or anything else is that the instant that people stop complimenting you or looking you fall right back into that pit of feeling disgusting and horrible about yourself because that is the underlying truth inside of you. The emotionally healthy person doesn't measure their inherent worth on external things like this. Therefore, the emotionally healthy person feels total security about herself or himself all the time, consistently, no matter what external factors and feedback are in play. But anyway, my answer for the question was that he believes people are looking at him. He's worried about them finding defects in him and realizing what he has already known, I say that in air quotes, his entire life. That he is actually defective, devoid of worth. And that the longer people look, they will realize this. They're they're going to realize that any beauty he has is merely a disguise. And this is where the social stress and anxiety comes from, the second subconscious distorted core belief. So then there was another issue he was talking about. He had served on jury duty. And while he was um, sitting in the jury box observing the defendant, he had some feelings about the defendant that he thought were unsubstantiated or kind of um, Socially not acceptable, so he wanted to know about the nature of feelings. And here's what I have to say about feelings. Feelings just are what they are. An emotionally healthy person feels things all the time that they wouldn't act on. Emotionally healthy people feel things that aren't socially acceptable, and they don't act on them. For example, nobody likes to admit it, but I'll say it plainly now, that everybody... Has racist feelings to one degree or another from time to time. This is just a reality of the human condition. So when we talk about somebody who is not a racist in any way, does this mean that they're immune? They never have a negative feeling about another person or of a group of people that is born from long exposure to stereotypes or presumptions or misconceptions or poor past experiences? No, they're living the same imperfect human experience that we all are. But their emotionally healthy foundation means that when they feel these things, it's just a feeling. They analyze it with their power of analytical thought, recognize what it is, maybe they take a moment to consider where it might be coming from, maybe they internally examine if the feeling might not be providing some other relevant bit of information in this particular circumstance, and then the feeling goes away. The feeling is dissipated by the analytical thought process, which says, these feelings aren't telling me anything relevant or healthy. Now I can let them go. The emotionally healthy person then goes on to treat people with the respect and dignity they deserve, regardless of their race, and regardless of whatever temporary feeling he might have experienced. So are they racist because of what they felt? No. Feeling isn't an action we carry out as a lot of people mistakenly believe. It's not an action that you carry out. Feeling isn't something we do. It's merely an experience that happens to us. Information comes in for us to analyze, which informs us about our needs or situation. And feelings are simply information. Is the data being beamed to a GPS unit good or bad? That information isn't good or bad, it's just information. The good or bad aspect of things comes into how we decide to use the information. So people are built with two tools that are meant to work in harmony. One of these tools is your feelings. The other tool is your analytical or observational thought. And once you get the feelings and you use them in in conjunction with your analytical thought, what are you going to decide to do? That's the real question. Now we'll see if your actions or your behaviors resulting from the information you gained from your feelings can be classified as good or bad. Because as opposed to your feelings, your actions and behaviors can indeed fall under classifications of good and bad, right and wrong. But feelings themselves are never good or bad, right or wrong. By the way, it's entirely possible that when the healthy person examines where those racist flavored feelings are coming from, he or she might see they've got some corrections to make within themselves. Maybe they have been lax about guarding that part of their personality and they're starting to take on some of those ideas and stereotypes about people. So the information from the feelings you see in a healthy person allows them to make corrections about what their thoughts might be that might be leading to this unsavory type of uh, attitude. So the feelings again, information helps a person self-correct, the healthy person doesn't ignore the information, oh that's that's not socially acceptable, and push it away. (laughs) No, the healthy person takes that information, analyzes it, and sees how it is relevant to their current circumstances, or to them personally, or to their life. That, that is the difference between the emotionally healthy person and the emotionally unhealthy person who says, oh, oh, those feelings are ugly and terrible, and they're bad, those are bad feelings. You see, you see the difference? Okay, so the emotionally unhealthy person first denies that they ever, ever feel slightly racist things about other groups of people or of individuals and are you starting to see that there's probably more emotionally unhealthy people in the world than emotionally healthy people? Then, because they don't understand the purpose of their feelings, they allow their feelings to determine their behaviors rather than they themselves determining their behaviors after applying analytical thought to the information their feelings provide. Then they go do something like let their feelings Determine their behaviors or actions They effectively give their feelings a power control and authority That feelings were never designed for and then they judge themselves based on their feelings Not their actions But on how they felt which inappropriately led them to that behavior and Then they feel what they feel shame Shame, which is the unhealthy, destructive opposite of guilt, and is never constructive, it is only destructive. So, one minor misunderstanding or area of ignorance in an area of emotional health is a snowball. You see, it leads to greater and greater emotional unhealth at every next step. But I hope that this uh, emphasizes the reality of how feelings. Emotions in themselves are never good or bad, right or wrong. It's just information entering your body, an experience that happens to you. Feelings themselves are not subject to notions of right or wrong, good or bad, no matter what those feelings are. Now, in the case of shame, notice I talk about it as being destructive, or I say it's never constructive. Notice how I word that. I've never said that shame is bad because then i'd be breaking a fundamental principle wouldn't i rather i say it's never constructive so we've learned some very useful secrets for emotional health today we've learned first of all that shame is never constructive and that it's not the same as guilt and during recovery shame can either be eliminated completely i mean sometimes you look back at the past you see what you were what was a causing you shame, you learn to have insight about the true nature of that, and the shame just goes away completely. In other cases, the shame can be converted into guilt. If it's something that you genuinely should feel guilty about, then it can be converted into guilt, which is a constructive emotion, and um, take it from there. It makes you into a better person, points out the things that you need to correct to be a better person, so it's a positive in every sense. What else did we learn? We learned that it doesn't matter how sexy and beautiful you are, as long as you've got the distorted core beliefs of borderline personality disorder in you, that says you are inherently irrelevant and shameful, devoid of worth. You're going to feel all kinds of social anxiety and anxiety in general, being out in public, thinking everybody's watching you for the wrong reasons to find all of your defects. And that's just not pleasant. So with recovery, that goes away. You get the uh, appreciation for your inherent worth as a human being, and then your good looks are; those are cherries on top. You get to enjoy the attention that comes from that with the with with security and confidence. Kind of along these same lines of, I used an example the other day about the the distinction between an unhealthy person and a healthy and a healthy person, and the example I used was a gym the unhealthy person goes to the gym and spends 10 hours a day there busting weights, running on a treadmill to get into the best shape they can. Why? Because they're certain that their value as a human being depends on their looks. Now the healthy person also goes to the gym and busts their butt for 10 hours a day. Why? Well, the healthy person does it because they see themselves as something worth valuing. As something valuable with inherent worth. Worth taking good care of. And so they want to be in the best shape and take care of their body in the best way they can. So you've got two people doing the exact same thing, yet their motivations are different. The one person has healthy motivation, and the other person has unhealthy motivation. Emotionally unhealthy person, emotionally healthy person, doing the same thing, but with different forces provoking those actions and provoking that behavior. And that's the distinction. What was the other point we discussed? Feelings, never good or bad, right or wrong feelings. They are just information about our circumstances, about our environment, and about we ourselves. How we use that information can be classified as good or bad, right or wrong. But the feelings themselves are not subject to any such judgment, because they are just information. And we use the example of racism, because I wanted to use a really dramatic example to illustrate exactly how true this is in, in all cases, that feelings are not good or bad, right or wrong. So anyway, folks, uh, I've talked a long time today, and we've kind of been all over the place in this podcast. I hope you'll forgive me for that. We'll get back on to single topics maybe in the next uh, podcast in the future, and I'm looking forward to having a couple guests coming in on um, upcoming podcasts. So thanks for joining me again. I hope you have a good week, and uh, go Red Sox!